0: Good evening, friends. This is the last of our Lenten messages on the seven words from the cross. Uh, Tonight, into your hands, Luke 23, verse 46. It's 3 p.m. Friday afternoon, another sweltering day in Jerusalem. Things are worse now, more blood, more screams, more gore, the insects swarming around the three naked bodies. There are shouts, restless words from the crowd. Several hundred people have gathered at Skull Hill. watch the end. It's not been an ordinary day, not that you could ever call crucifixion ordinary, but the Romans did it all the time. It was their favorite method for dealing with criminals and troublemakers. There were plenty of easier ways to kill people and the Romans knew all about those ways too, but crucifixion had its advantage. The primary one being the crucifixion was such a gruesome spectacle that it caught the public attention in a way that Something mundane like poisoning could never do. But this time the Romans had hit the daily double, so to speak. They were crucifying three men on the eve of the Jewish Passover. That meant the city would be clogged with religious pilgrims. The message would come through loud and clear. Don't mess with Rome. Things had started well enough. The three men were crucified at 9 a.m., the normal starting time. The crowd was larger than usual, mostly because of the man in the middle, one Jesus of Nazareth. The hard part was nailing the men to the cross. At best, it was a bloody ordeal that the victims struggled, and most of them did. The thing could turn into a gory mess. But the man in the middle had not struggled at all. He looked half dead before they laid him on the cross. The scourging must have taken a lot out of him. The first three hours were no problem. The three men spoke to one another briefly. The crowd shouted, mostly jeers and taunts. Jesus seemed to have a following of people, friends and family who came to watch. They didn't say much. Everything changed at noon. Suddenly everything went pitch black. The sun disappeared. The uh, thick darkness settled over the land. It was the darkness of a cave in the middle of the night. Thick. Ugly darkness that made the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It lasted for three hours. At 3 p.m. the sun came out just as suddenly as it had disappeared. All eyes were drawn to the center cross. Something had happened to Jesus during those three hours. Exactly what was hard to say. The other three looked awful, the way men always do when they're crucified, but Jesus was different. Something terrible had happened to him during those hours of darkness. Something awful, some awful burden had descended on him and sucked what little life was left in him. He didn't have to be a doctor to know he was about to die. His chest heaved mightily with each breath. His eyes looked far away. His voice was little more than a guttural groan. The death rattle was in his throat. Suddenly he shouted something, and somebody shouted back to him. Then the soldiers moistened his lips with a sponge stuck at the end of a hyssop stalk. His head dropped. He took another breath, and he shouted one word, die. and it seemed as if he had died. A moment later, he took one final breath and shouted, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Then he bowed his head, and his whole body seemed to slump forward. Stunned silence, followed by a a Roman soldier saying, Surely this was the Son of God. There was shock. Who was this man? Anger now and fear on the faces of the crowd, here and there soft sobs and quiet tears. Much later came the spear in the side, but Jesus was long dead at that point. This is how Luke tells the story of the last moments of Jesus' life. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Luke is the only writer to record the last words of the Son of God. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Every word tells us something important. Father. This was Jesus' favorite title for God. It spoke of the intimate family relationship that it had existed from all eternity. His first word from the cross had been, Father, forgive them. His last word was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But in between he had cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He called him my God and not Father. Because in that agonizing moment, the Father had turned his back on the Son as Jesus bore the sin of the world. It was God, forsaken by God. But no longer. Jesus dies knowing the price has been fully paid, the cup emptied, the burden borne, estrangement ended. Whatever happened in those three hours of darkness is now in the past. Jesus yields his life to the one he called father into your hands what son does not long for his father to reach out and hug him you know there's something wonderful about that it speaks of safety i'm safe in my daddy's hands her greeting welcome home son heard that little voice that says daddy it's so good to see you again the sound of approval i'm proud of you son for 15 hours jesus had been in the hands of wicked men With their hands they beat him, with their hands they slapped him, with their hands they abused him, with their hands they crowned him with thorns, with their hands they ripped out his beard, and with their hands they smashed him black and blue, and with their hands they whipped his back until it was torn to bits. All that is behind him now. Wicked hands have done all they can do. Jesus now returns to his father's hands. I commit. The word means to deposit something valuable in a safe place. It's what you do when you take your will and valuable possessions and put them in a safe deposit box at the bank. My Spirit Jesus meant his very life, his personal existence. Now that his physical life was over, Jesus commits himself into his Father's hands for safekeeping. Father, I can no longer care for myself. I place my hands, place in your hands, Myself for safekeeping. Now you may or may not know that these words are a quotation from Scripture. With his final words, Jesus recited Psalm 31.5 and simply added the word Father to the front of the quotation. Now Jewish mothers would teach their children to recite that verse every night before they went to bed. And for many children, it would be the very first, first verse of Scripture they ever learned. On the cross, as his life is ebbing away, Jesus reverts to the prayer of his childhood, the prayer his mother taught him in Nazareth, the prayer with which he would have ended each day. In the end, strength gone, his body tortured beyond recognition. His mind recalls the words he learned as a little boy. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The prayer has much the same meaning and effect as the prayer many of our children Pray each night, the prayer I grew up praying. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord, my soul to take. You know, sometimes we wonder if our children pay any attention when we recite scripture and sing to them at bedtime. Often it seems our words go in one ear and out the other, but those little ears hear more than we know, and the heart remembers more than we realize. No one can overestimate the value of patiently teaching the truth of God to our children day in and day out. What seems to be wasted time may someday be the only thing they can remember. So the moment has come. Jesus has only seconds to live. All he came to do has been accomplished. It's time to die. Two things happened at the very end of his life that merit our attention. First, His physical sufferings reach their climax. The pain now is unbearable. Breathing is almost impossible. The crowd gathers round like vultures circling prey. The friends of Jesus watch in horror as his life ebbs away. Death rattles in his throat. From somewhere down below, a fiendish evil howling and the angels look away. The Son of God is about to die. Only one question is left unresolved. What was the ultimate cause of his death after only a few hours on the cross? Concerning this question, various responses seem likely. Jesus' death after only three to six hours on the cross surprised even Pilate. The fact that Jesus cried out in a loud voice and then bowed his head and died suggests a catastrophic terminal event. One popular explanation has been that Jesus died of cardiac rupture. In other words... His heart was broken. However, another explanation may be more likely. Jesus' death may have been hastened simply by his state of exhaustion and by the severity of his scourging, with this resultant blood loss and pre-shock state. All of this leads to a very simple conclusion. Death by crucifixion was, in every sense of the word, excruci- excruciating. Is a perfectly chosen word because excruciating comes from the Latin excruciatus, which means out of the cross. And second, he voluntarily gave up his life. Christ was arrested and tried like a common criminal. He was beaten within an inch of his life. He suffered the terrible ordeal of crucifixion and died an agonizing death. And surely his life was forcibly taken from him. Well, not so. Jesus himself addressed this in John 10, verses 17 to 18. He said, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. Now this perfectly harmonizes the gospel accounts of the death of Christ. Matthew 27, verse 50 tells us that At the moment of his death, Jesus dismissed his spirit. That is, he voluntarily yielded up to the Father. His life was not taken away from him against his will. When the time came, he gave up his life voluntarily. To the very end, the Son of God remained sovereign over the affairs of men. Now, from all of this, we may draw several lessons and applications. I mean, he knew it was time to die. He wasn't afraid to die. He died with his life complete. He died without anger or bitterness. He died in complete control of his senses and of his circumstances. He died knowing where he was going back into the Father's hands. Friends, the death of Jesus was a model of how the faithful face death. They are not afraid. They're not filled with remorse over wasted opportunities. They endure their portion with grace, knowing that a better day awaits on the other side of that great divide. If they suffer, they hold fast to the promises of God as their only hope. They do nothing to hasten the moment, but when it finally comes, they have the courage to face it, for they have committed themselves completely into the Father's hands. Jesus died like a child asleep in his father's arms, exhausted, weary, Having suffered the worst that man could do, he finally yielded up his life and breathed his last. It was a quiet ending, a graceful exit, a peaceful passing from the brutality of this world. Of all the fears that trouble the heart of man, perhaps none is greater than the fear of death. All our fears can be rolled up into this greatest fear, we are afraid to die. We fear death because it is so final. We fear death because we're not sure what happens when we die. We fear death because it means leaving the world we know for another world we know nothing about. Now people will do almost anything to keep from thinking about death. They'll drink themselves into a stupor rather than face the reality of their own mortality. They'll race through life going a thousand miles an hour rushing from one thing to another in a desperate attempt to keep their mind off the inevitable. Now, we fear many things, nuclear war, financial collapse, AIDS, old age, but behind all of them lurks the great unspoken fear of death. It is unspoken because you cannot speak of the things you truly fear. They're too frightening for words. Death is the final enemy. It is the end of one thing and the beginning of what? I mean, modern man does not know how to finish that sentence, therefore he's afraid. And yet, friends, Jesus said, fear not, for I have conquered death. He was there. He died just like all men die. But then something really different happened. He came back to tell the rest of the story. And no one else has ever done that. Fear not. Now, you might say, you must be joking. I mean, only a fool doesn't fear death. Only a fool or a follower of Jesus well, Hebrews 2:14 and 15 say, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So who holds the power of death? Satan does. Death belongs to him. Death is his. He owns it. Before Satan was, death was not. When Satan is no more, death will be no more. Between now and then, Satan still rules the realm of death. Men fear death with good reason. They are entering a realm Satan controls. But friends, the death of Jesus has spoiled Satan's power. As long as men stayed dead, death was Satan's ultimate tool to keep men in chains. But one man changed all that. One man died, but he didn't stay dead. One man broke Satan's power when he tore off the bars of death. And because of that one man, Jesus, no one need fear death any longer. Death still comes all, but for those of us who know Jesus, and only for them, death has changed its character. It's no longer the entrance into the dim unknown, it's now the passageway into the presence of God. How mistaken we are about death. We think that we're going from the land of the living to the land of dying, but not so. We're going from the land of the dying to the land of the living. Jesus had said it, and it is so. As we pass beyond the curtain, we live on and on, but will not be as it is today. On that day, we will rise to new life. Not with halting limp or wrinkled brow. Not with dimming eyes or faltering steps. Not with twisted spine or runaway tumors not with bitter memories or faded dreams, not with amputated leg leg or injured heart. No, not with these do we rise. Not clothed with this mortal flesh do we rise, but we rise clothed in the shining mercy of God. There is one great lesson we should take away from this story of the final words of Jesus. Death holds no fear for the Christian, for when we die, we pass from this life into the hands of our Heavenly Father, and he will take care of us. So what happens when we die? Well, our body is buried and our spirit goes to God. We pass into the personal presence of God. We pass from this life into paradise. We are now in the Father's hands. These things are true for the followers of Jesus because what happened to him will one day happen to them. Where he leads, they will one day follow. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodism, used to offer this comment as a final apologetic for the evangelical faith. He said, our people die well. You know, those words sound odd not a place in the 20th century, but several centuries ago it was pretty popular to read books about the art of dying. I mean, how to face it with strength and grace. Dying well is one mark of a robust Christian faith. There is such a thing as dying grace, which the Lord is pleased to give to his children. We die like the rest of mankind, but we have a hope that transcends the grave. For the followers of Jesus, death has lost its sting and the grave is victory. Well, what makes the difference? It's Jesus and nothing else. In him and through him and because of him, death has lost its fear for us. Like all men, we prefer to live as long as possible. But when the time comes, we will not shrink back in unspeakable dread. We know one who has been there and has come back to tell the story. He said, fear not, I will be with you. For those who know Jesus' death is not the end, but the beginning of life. Father, we thank you for a hope that transcends this dying world. We live, we die, and through Jesus we pass into your loving hands. Teach us to live each day as if it were our last, because someday it will be true. In these quiet moments, we recommit our lives to you, believing that you will be faithful to us in life and death and in the life to come. We pray these things in the name of him who conquered death, Jesus our Lord. Amen. Until next time, friends, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.